Listening to the Noise Canceling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Welcome back, everyone, to the Noise Canceling Pod. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We are glad to have you back, and we apologize for sounding like a broken record, but it, we're sorry that there's been such a gap in between episodes. We've been uh, a little bit busy. What have you been up to, Axel? Uh, well, my the latest thing is uh, I got married back in early November, so that was exciting. That was a very fun evening and weekend, so I appreciate the invite, and I was uh, glad to share in the festivities. Did you have any specific memories or highlights from that weekend? Well, we so we did morning yoga on the day of the wedding, and so Nana invited her friends, and then I invited my friends. And for her yoga session, there was 23 people. And then for my session, it was me, Frank, and then her aunt, who she felt <laughs> bad for me, so she told her aunt to go to mine. <laughs> but I have to say, it was intimate. Uh, it was a very nice space that you guys picked out, and, and I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah, it was fun. No, no, it was, it was really great. It was out in Portland. It was awesome to meet your family run it back with your dad talk about his trip to turkey and oh yeah <laughs> man he he was still i'm i'm so happy that he made that trip it seems like it's just been been something that's lived on in his mind for for a long time yeah he had a great time that's awesome that got that started him on his travel bug yeah sounds like but yeah your family your family's awesome and it was so fun meeting all the nas family too they were they were super cool yep and I thought, honestly, in terms of like unique wedding things, I, I thought the coolest thing was how you arranged the tables at the wedding. Uh, can you just talk about that a little bit? I thought that was really creative and fun. So we had a flight-themed wedding or travel-themed wedding. And so how we arranged the tables, we kind of took – we arranged them by kind of where we met people. And so uh, each – like my San Antonio friends had the – SAT for San Antonio airport that was the code for their table and then like each group of friends kind of had an airport code that was close to where we had originally met them yeah and when you actually got to the hall it was listed on like a big arrivals departure board which was super cool yeah so for all this discussion on the wedding I have to first acknowledge that Nana did nearly all the planning and work for the wedding so (laughs) (laughs) so all that was her idea so you don't get a lot of credit for that. I got I get very little credit. <laughs> well, that's fair. And uh, since since our last episode, I've actually relocated again. Uh, this is didn't we start the podcast when I'm trying to think was it right when we moved to Nashville or was I still in Minnesota? I think you were moving to Minnesota, but you hadn't yet. <laughs> I can't even remember. Or maybe yeah. I think we were talking about moving to Nashville. Is when we started, but yeah, so started in Minnesota, oh, right, Nashville, right. And, and now we're back in Minnesota, and it was, 
negative six degrees when I got in my car this morning, and that was while I was in the garage. Wow. So it was, it was cold. It was a it was a real nostril freezer today. Dang. Do you have to do you have to plug your car in, or is uh, that not a- further north? I mean. Unless it was, unless you haven't started it for a few days, you wouldn't have to do that. That's usually when it gets like below negative thirty air temperature when you have oh, to start okay. going to those sort of extreme measures. <laughs> yeah. Or if, I mean, if I had an older car, it would probably need some extra care. But I I still do try to start the car once a day to make sure it's still gonna be yeah. ready to go. Like I didn't let it, my car sit over the weekend for sure. Yeah, yeah. So are you all settled into to back into Minneapolis? Yeah, I mean, we moved into our actual house. We've been back in Minneapolis for a couple months now, but we actually moved into our house uh, about two weeks ago. Oh, nice. So, you know, there's still a few boxes here and there, but, you know, have both cars in the garage, and all of our boxes are now contained within four walls. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Nice, <laughs> nice one. <laughs> yeah, no more storage units. So that's a, that's a big upgrade. And what place are you working at again? Um, so I'm at Boston Scientific now. Okay, nice. Yeah implant manufacturer so pretty pretty fun well i'm sure we'll talk about it on a, on a later episode okay so you hit me up with this topic for tonight and i i have a little bit not even dangerous knowledge so i i feel like i'm gonna be asking you a lot of questions and you're gonna have to provide a lot of information what are we talking about tonight all right so we're talking about bitcoin ethereum and just cryptocurrency in general okay and you know, just for anyone who is is not familiar, I'm sure they've heard about Bitcoin. I'm sure they've seen the meteoric rise of that currency in particular. But there's what hundreds of of cryptocurrencies out there now. There's thousands. Thousands. Whoa! whoa wait a second. Didn't I send you my token? No, you you didn't send me anything other than the, the text. Oh my what gosh! So I yeah. created. My, I so I I myself have my own crypto token. So what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> that means that uh, if you go on to, like if you do a search on the Ethereum, this is just on the test network for Ethereum, but if you do a search on the Ethereum test network, then uh, you can find my coin on there and then it shows who, uh, like I just basically created 100,000 coins, which have no value whatsoever, by the way. But I created 100,000 of them and then I own all those and I can uh, send them to whoever I want. Interesting. And so at what point does does value become attached to that? So I think you have to have, there's maybe two ways. So one would be if like it was associated with some other service. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for, for example, uh, like let's say Uber started issuing coins. Mm-hmm. Then like, Let's say if you were an Uber driver, you could go drive, earn some coins, and then potentially you could spend those coins back in the app to, uh, like, to get rides. Sure. Interesting. And then the other way is just if they have, uh, like, unique value. So I don't know if you heard about Crypto Kitties. I have not. So they created these. Uh, I'm not even sure how to explain these. Basically, you would go to this website and buy this unique uh, Crypto Kitty cat. And then there was a way for you to like uh, breed your cat with someone else's Crypto Kitty cat. And then within like 
I'm not sure how long it was like three or four days that it would produce a new cat that had its and bait like somehow the two cats information or data would be combined to form like your, your new uh like the baby cat so basically it's like an upgraded do you remember the tamagotchis yes yeah okay. exactly so it's like a social media tamagotchi <clears throat> but like the the cats all started from this genesis cat so like the very first cat and that cat sold for a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> Oh my god! All right, so we're getting way down into the weeds. Can we just take a step back and just talk about what it, what a cryptocurrency actually is? Okay. Well, can you just ask questions and then I'll like describe the parts parts of it from that? Sure. So, so let's talk about Bitcoin. What what is Bitcoin? So Bitcoin is, uh, I guess it's a it's a way to so bitcoin has value as a currency and it's and you can send it through the network and like you don't actually hold any paper coins or whatever it's all and then who the it's a big network of computers similar to like napster so Mm -hmm. it's just peer-to-peer and all these computers they all have the entire like history of all the different transactions in bitcoin Mm -hmm. all of them save their own copy of those transactions and then uh they all check with each other to make sure that 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 history of transactions is not like changed by some uh bad actor or whatever who's trying to manipulate like let's say you spent a hundred bitcoins a week ago like it's it's not possible for you to go back and change uh and say i only spent 75 bitcoins so basically, it's just a way to maintain a currency where even though it's a virtual currency, there's a specific and unique number of each each token, I guess you'd say. Right. And okay. r- like right now, the bank keeps track of how many, like right now, there's not actually dollars sitting in the bank that you own, but the bank is the one who's essentially has the database that says you own a thousand US dollars. And there's like a database at the bank that says that keeps track of that. Mm-hmm. And instead of that database sitting in, at the bank, the database is spread across this network of computers. Sure. So, so in theory, so like the main benefit of Bitcoin is that like, let's say the U.S. government wanted to, to grab your money, like your U.S. dollars from the bank. They could just go to the bank and say, freeze these dollars and don't let Axel withdraw these dollars from the bank. But there's no central location for a government to go to say, we're shutting down this Bitcoin. Like, we're not letting you withdraw your money from Bitcoin. We're not letting you spend your money on Bitcoin. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So what do you think, why has it increased in value so much? Is it just because people are believing in the technology or do you think there's an actual driver? Uh, I think people are starting to understand the technology a little bit better. I don't, uh, I don't. There's the truth. The truth is like there's it's still very early and there's not a lot of great use cases for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And initially, like when I first started learning about I was thinking that Bitcoin would be a replacement for like PayPal or Venmo. Mm-hmm. But Bitcoin is not good for like daily transactions. The the um, 
like the transaction cost of me sending you money on the network is it's too much so it's not great for having like a, a bunch of transactions each day it's a better it's better for i have like a thousand like ten thousand dollars i want to hold on to that i don't that i just want to like store that value do you know if any startups are using bitcoin like in terms of instead of you know equity shares that type of arrangement where it's almost investing in the firm but using bitcoin so i don't know if you can do that i haven't like figured if you out if you can do that on bitcoin but certainly you can do that on ethereum which is a different uh peer-to-peer currency network okay so So ethereum is better suited for what you're just describing interesting so what have you been doing on ethereum and and what has drawn you to that platform so the so first of all i would consider like an Investing in Bitcoin is le- a little bit less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of cool it has risen a bunch or whatever. And I don't have a ton of money in there. I've just been kind of watching it, but I'm actually like more interested in the technology. And so like I've learned a little bit about the technology of Bitcoin, but Ethereum is different from Bi- Bitcoin. The it's essentially just like a big database. So it just and it it keeps track of it's like a ledger database instead of a like a like a typical database so mm-hmm. it doesn't say frank boyce has 100 bitcoins it says that like on this date someone sent frank boyce 100 bitcoins and then on this date frank boyce sent five bitcoins to someone else and mm-hmm. it's interesting actually that trend the trend like if you ha- get sent 100 bitcoins and then you want to send me 50 bitcoins you actually in the system <clears throat> you send me 50 there's a transaction that sends me 50 bitcoins and then you have to send the 50 bitcoins back to yourself interesting otherwise that- those big otherwise they're actually otherwise those bitcoins are are mined like the miners get all of your bitcoins and the the miners are people of the network who are constantly creating new blockchains of or basically new bitcoins their so their primary purpose is to verify that like so there's uh a concept called hashing which means that you can take like a file and all the data in a file and put it through this calculation and it will spit out a big long number and it's impossible to say, uh, like, to take the to take the number. Let me think about how it goes. Like, you can only do calculations one way. So, uh, well, all okay. So you can only do calculations one way, and so that's how that's like the cryptography mm-hmm. piece of Bitcoin. But what the miners are doing is basically verifying that you in fact do own the bitcoin that you're sending in the transaction so they say they validate that uh that the bit the hundred dollar hundred bitcoins that you're sending to me you do in fact own those bitcoins mm-hmm. and so they're doing the validation of all these transactions and so the way they get paid is uh first of all there's like the bitcoin rules are set up so that like over a certain period of time, the miners can, if they're the ones that finalize the block or finalize the next round of transactions, then 
at the current moment, I think they can send themselves back 25, they can add 25 Bitcoins to their account. Mm-hmm. And so like how it would work is they send a, this block of transactions out that has all the transactions that people sent in and then plus a transaction to themselves for 25 Bitcoins. And so like you may ask, well, why can't they just send themselves 30 Bitcoins? Well, like all of the, the other <clears throat> computers that are validating all of these transactions, they know that they can only send them twenty five send themselves twenty five bitcoins. So if they try to say I'm going to send myself thirty bitcoins, then the computers would just reject like reject that hmm. block of transactions. The so next block. yeah, so that's how bitcoins are mined. Like part of how bitcoins, the mining pieces. That's how bitcoins are mined. They just basically like when they add a block of transactions to this like always inc- um transactions are always getting added to the big ledger mm-hmm. and as they add a block of transactions they send themselves some bitcoin and there's a certain rule for how much they can send themselves and it's decreasing over time interesting so has that decreased the number of miners or increased I guess well the, so so the interesting thing the um, number of bitcoins that you can send yourself has decreased, but the value of those bitcoins has increased exp- like substantially. Sure. So now there are more miners. Um, I'm sure there are more and more miners to where it's actually not practical for a regular person to try to mine for bitcoins Makes because sense. that like people have specially built computers to try to earn like earn to earn the bitcoins from mining. Right. No, that makes. That would make sense. You couldn't really do it from your phone if you're competing against a farmer computers at some right. random dude's garage. Yep. Yeah. Sure. So, w- what have you been doing, and Ethereum specifically? How is that different from from the okay. other cryptocurrencies? So, with Bitcoin, the only thing that you can do is like do a transaction, and then small little things like perhaps this transaction says that me and you both have to like sign our digital like sign the transaction with our cat cards like two people have to sign it yeah so it's like very simple kind of the programming that you can do through bitcoin and then with ethereum you can do much more like many more different things and so what it allows you to do are smart contracts okay and so like a couple of smart contracts that i've written the first thing i did is just make my own token And the next thing that I did was like, you can create like a simple auction mm-hmm. on the network. And what the what the network allows you to do is run very simple programs like across all of these different computers. Um, so they actually run your programs. So like when you go to a website like Amazon, mm-hmm. like the Amazon servers are running that program. But with Ethereum, the program gets run across the entire network. Okay. So what it what it ensures is that <clears throat> like let's say let's see how that's let's say like you generally can trust Amazon, but if you had like a site that you nece- you couldn't necessarily trust, then uh <clears throat> then like they could potentially change the code 
like you could be like running your running your program or visiting their site and doing certain actions mm-hmm. and they could change the code like out from under you but with ethereum the code is is like distributed across the entire network so once you write the code like it's set in stone and that's exactly how the program will operate interesting so much much safer i guess is the theory well it's safer and that no one can change it out from under you but it's also dangerous in that like people have made mistakes in their programs mm-hmm. and have locked out like millions of d- dollars worth of tokens interesting or wor- worth of ethereum so like the latest thing was this company ha- created this uh it's they created this basically this program to where two people have to sign to get the money mm-hmm. and it relied on this certain other program in the system and then that program was like inadvertently deleted from the system and so it's like now when their their program that requires two people to sign it tries to like reach for that other program it can't find it and so like it doesn't work whatsoever and there was like 150 million dollars worth of ethereum locked locked in this program that is now lost. So they're trying to figure out what to do with that. I mean, is that is that kind of the general worry about all cryptocurrencies, though? That's there's some small glitch that can basically just take it out. So it's not going to take out the network. But if you if that's the downside of Ethereum is like it opens up a lot of possibilities for you to like program in many in with like many different ways. But because there are so many different ways, there's a lot more opportunities for bugs to be in your program. So that's why Ethereum, it's more likely that you're going to write a program that breaks and then locks you out of your tokens Interesting. or your Ethereum. So, I mean, is, is Ethereum more a way of monetizing small or peer-to-peer or even B2B platforms? I think that's what it, that people are trying to use it for in the future. Yeah. How, I mean, how is that different than, like you said, Venmo or PayPal or, you know, why why is this model of smart contracts or smart programs locked to a cryptocurrency? Like, why, why would that be disruptive? I think, well, in, I think there's a lot of, in theory, what it does is that it doesn't allow a central actor to, uh, like, get involved and pressure another central uh third party to like freeze your account or stop the transactions Mm. or uh like if if me and you have a a deal that says both of us have to sign the contract for us to withdraw money Mm -hmm. like somehow you could talk like the the bank into like or even like legally there's something that you could talk them into letting you withdraw the money without me but like when it's on the when it's on the blockchain like there's nothing it's set in stone that we both must sign the contract so hypothetically in like 30 years when people would potentially buy into it you could see real estate transactions go through that right and right and so the yeah it's it's like the real estate the problem is it is not reversible like in for the most part, it's not reversible. Mm-hmm. So it's like a good thing and a bad thing. Right. That it's like with your credit card, in some ways it's an advantage that like if someone steals your credit card and 
uh, like goes out on a spending spree, like the the transactions are reversed. Mm-hmm. But like that's not possible with cryptocurrencies. But at the same time, if someone tries to cut, like it can work both ways for and against you. Someone reversing your the the transactions, right? But and it, in this case, it's both, they aren't reversible. Right. It's both safer in some regards and completely unsafe in in others. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. Interesting. So how how much value did you say your your tokens have right now? It's at zero dollars. <laughs> so so how would you go about, you know, making that into something of value? Like what what could you set out to do where where it would it would have some value in the future? I <laughs> I, so I, I bet, so I have a two two ideas that were, I've just brainstormed just off the top of my head that I think are probably not great but they're at least interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So the first is you know how like as a commander you have a commander's coin, mm-hmm. but really this coin has no value except just the intrinsic pieces that that like the commander presented it to you. Sure. So you could have like essentially the equivalent of commander's coins in ethereum that you would ha- like send out to people who did a great job interesting that would at the least thing is people feel good <laughs> yeah the thing is uh like you have to kind of build some sort of a website on top of it see the problem right now is it's still all uh it's like very low level and that it's like on the network it's just the basic raw data mm-hmm. but so it would be uninteresting to, to own like this raw data coin but if you could build like a front like this a front-end website that could like read your coin and mm-hmm. display some like based on some sort of a series of numbers like it could display what this coin looked like then it might be more interesting hmm. definitely so I mean, how the when you're describing this, I'm like, oh, I wonder if you could use that for like f- daily fantasy sports. Yeah. Okay. So then my other idea. So I'm in this fantasy sports league where you pick teams instead of players, and it's across like 14 different sports leagues. And so I was trying to figure out some way of creating like a market where you have your draft and you pick all your players, and then. It's almost like a betting market of, okay, which not like sports team do you think will win the championship, but which fantasy team do you think will win the NFL? And you could create like a like a betting market that uses some sort of tokens. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like at the, so somehow you would, I don't know if you'd have to pay into it, but you, you could say, okay, we're distributing 100 tokens to each. It wouldn't have to be, fantasy team it could be anyone and then we're distributing like this stock of each fantasy team and then at the like when this fantasy team wins the championship then you'll earn an additional like 15 tokens or coins if your team wins the championship nice so throughout the season like if you think some team's gonna like has a very good chance of winning then maybe you would pay that person like 12 tokens to get the stock in that team because you know it's gonna like it'll pay out 15 mm-hmm. tokens if, if you if they're going to win so then throughout the season there's this like side market of 
trading betting against the, yourself yeah you could you yeah, yeah you could bet against yeah. yourself yeah. uh but the like the, so that's what i was thinking of the truth is you could set that up it doesn't need to be on the blockchain like you could just set that up within your own within your own website sure. like i could just keep a database of who owns what but th- this kind of like highlights why you you would want to uh to have it on the blockchain though is that like I run my website, so if I want to change who owns the team, mm-hmm. like I can just go in and change who owns the team. Sure. But if this was on the blockchain, then like they would just get in that. theory you would program it, and then the only way to change teams would be a tra- like a transaction through the blockchain, and mm-hmm. there's no central authority that can just like move the teams around. Right. And then, and then <laughs> there's also like the next thing that happens is there's ways for people like there there's ways for people to kind of vote on which fantasy team won the championship and then like you don't even the the program doesn't even have to actually like interact with with the real world like people just place their bet their votes on who won the championship and then the system automat like well based on those votes knows who won the championship hmm. interesting that that would make fantasy sports more fun, especially for people who are just losing towards the end of every season. I know. So <laughs> I've been brainstorming how that would work, but <laughs> so, but I think it would be, it's like kind of, it's kind of an interesting concept in that you are, it's like very meta where you are like, have a market, like not, a, it's not exactly a betting market, but it's kind of like a betting market on your own little internal league. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. That's true. Almost like an investment market. Right. So that's, I don't know, that's the idea that I'm I'm throwing around. Although, and like I said, there's no reason that it would necessarily have to be on the blockchain. But I was just, that was the first idea that came to my mind of how I could potentially put it on there. I like it. Anything else rattling around for your uh, cryptocurrency <laughs> marketplace? <laughs> No, I'm still like I'm still very early in figuring out how it all works, mm-hmm. and so I'm just going through tutorials and like there's a but you can do there's like test networks that you can play around on that people will give you like test coins mm-hmm. so that you can see how everything works. So that's that's mainly what I've been working working in is the test network. How would that work for? Let's just take some sort of practical application like a city standardizes all their parking meters to like this one electronic database. And instead of using standard money, they, they issue their own cryptocurrency. Is there a way that you could actually make that work in terms of individual users logging in? And if they had a certain amount of cryptocurrency paying for their parking place? Yeah, you could definitely do that. Interesting. You, cause how you would, you would start with, ether which is ethereum Mm -hmm. and then like they would have to pay ether to what essentially is like the city's smart contract yeah which is like a big database so they would pay ethereum to the database and the database would send them back these tokens for parking Mm -hmm. and then like they would just you'd have somehow you they would send the tokens back to the city when they wanted to park okay interesting and how would that reduce their their transaction costs compared to like a credit card or <laughs> I don't know or Venmo? I'm like, act- I don't, I'm actually unsure how I I don't think it would 
I'm not sure. I don't think it would. I don't know, actually, on that one. So, yeah, I don't know. It would be. I, what would probably be more likely than a city setting this up is if you is if private citizens could sell their parking spots, uh, <laughs> sell their parking spots to other people. So then, like in some cases, you would be selling your parking spot for tokens, and then some cases you would in some cases you would be returning back your those tokens for other people to park in their spot. We should. Uh... That would probably be the the most likely use case potential use case for this probably we need to do some market research see if anybody in the uk is already doing that because that's that's a pretty widespread practice in the uk is it's almost like the uber of renting out your own i forget what website it is but you you can rent out your own parking place for either like daily rental fees or or like a a monthly fee for somebody to park in your Hmm. basically like your driveway or your garage right Right. That'd be, so that'd be an interesting not sh- integration. So in so in this case, instead of having like a central authority app, app, it would just be like this this app that is spread across the entire network that keeps track of everyone's transactions. <laughs> Curious. Hmm. So, I mean, what where do you see this going in the future? I mean, do you do you see it continue to more cryptocurrencies popping up do you see some sort of consolidation as as people find the currencies that work the best for daily transactions as opposed to you know something that's worth 12 or fourteen thousand dollars a piece i think there's there's definitely going to be more like more and more of these things are going to be they're going to be attempted it's kind of like i view this as similar to like the late 90s of the internet Mm -hmm. where like we're probably in this bubble where there's all these people trying this new technology and not everyone's going to know how it works, how it works exactly right. And so there's going to be this big explosion and then most of them are going to fail. Yeah. But there are going to emerge some, like some people that have it figured out. And then most likely, like once people start figuring it out, then you'll get more and more actual viable, smaller businesses or companies or coins coming out of this after this first big crash of everyone trying it and yeah. it's and everyone figures out this didn't work that didn't work and all that yeah i think that's a that's a pretty solid prediction i keep kind of looking at bitcoin like a, a gold rush if you will where you know there's just a lot of a lot of people prospecting out there and and hoping to to hit it on a good day or a good week or a good month but you can't i don't know from my perspective you can't really tie it back to any specific value other than that people are just really excited about a currency that's not very traceable yeah well that what's interesting so tech like bitcoin is actually not the best for having an untraceable currency Mm -hmm. because you can see all the transactions and you can like track money through all the transactions so there's kind of a problem where if if me as the government if i'm if you're like a bad actor If I figure out what Bitcoin address you were using and people were sending it to, then I can start tracking like, oh, who are the other Bitcoin addresses that this person interacted with? And then uh, and then I can kind of follow the, the trail through the the ledger, through the blockchain to figure out like what your network is. Interesting. So, so the, like the new ones that people are coming up with to uh, have truly anonymous transactions, there's... 
Zcash and Monero, which have two different approaches to still letting you confirm that like you indeed are Frank Boyce and you have, or not necessarily Frank Boyce, but you own the key Mm -hmm. uh, to this money and that uh, you can send the money, but it doesn't, it can, can, it can validate it that it's correct, but it can't actually, that it doesn't, the specific details don't get put into the blockchain. Okay. Interesting. So, so that's like next generation after Bitcoin potentially uh, solutions. Yeah. So do you think uh, more people are just investing in Bitcoin now because it's uh, a phrase that they know? Or do you think it actually is going to hang around for a while? I, th- I, I think it will hang around for a while. I'm not sure... I don't know. I'm, I think like the use cases that will come out of it are still unknown. Like, and a lot of it depends on advances in technology mm-hmm. and like how well they can figure out how to scale things. Because that's one of the like that's a problem right now with Bitcoin. It's just it can only handle a certain number of transactions. Can you and so can you compare it to any late '90s technology or company that you, you think it? will uh follow similar growth slash death no. models no <laughs> no I, I i don't know i'm trying to th- i was thinking like gateway i don't know actually <laughs> where it had like a big start and then it just it, went poof it like it, well no like it, it stayed around but like didn't continue to grow like some people still kept using it, but its growth slowed significantly yeah i don't know it's definitely it's it it can't be thought of as a daily transaction like replacement that's just yeah. not what it's it it it's not possible for it to be used like that there are like other technologies using bitcoin that are they're trying to figure out how to do that but bitcoin itself it's just it's not set up to be like a daily transaction it's just it's too expensive it's too expensive and too limited in in just the number of bitcoins right it's not the number of bitcoins; it's the number of transactions that they can fit into a block. So, like, if you think about, like, every single computer has to keep the entire history of all Bitcoin transactions on them, or every single node mm-hmm. that's like connecting. And so, if they allow a ton of transactions, then the file size of this database that the all these computers are keeping will just like grow out of control. So they limit the number of tr- of not the, specifically the number of transactions, but the size of the file size, essentially, of each block that is um, added to the to the uh, blockchain. Interesting. It's it's limited in its size. That's so that they're worried that if they keep increasing the size of those blocks, that ultimately, like right now, it's even tough for an average person to to run a node. But if they let the file size get out of control, then very quickly it will only be like large corporations that can run the nodes because they're the only ones that will have computers powerful enough to to do it. So that's that is the reason that Bitcoin doesn't want to increase their block size mm-hmm. and essentially reduce transaction costs. Wow. So by design they will probably never be a, a daily transaction vehicle. Right, exactly right. There's yeah, the 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 data that you have like to to keep all that data on every every single human's or every single node's computer is not really feasible they're working through different kind of some technical solutions but 
for the most part, it's not feasible. Have you, or at least they don't view it as feasible. Have you watched a show, uh, Silicon Valley? I've never watched it. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, <clears throat> I, I feel like that's your assignment for for our next program to uh, debrief on, on all seasons of Silicon Valley. Okay, I'll, I'll have to go check, uh, find that. There's a whole season on, on compression, so... Actually, multiple, oh, multiple, oh, okay. multiple seasons on on compression algorithms. So, no. Spo- oh, really? No, no spoilers, but yeah, I think uh, if you had watched it, we could have gone into a a, a bit of a more in depth discussion on uh, how that sort of technology could impact Bitcoin. So, hmm. for a later episode. All right, sounds good. So, uh, any other thoughts on cryptocurrency? Uh, just that I think. Like to me, it's pure speculation at the moment. So, I think it's not probably a good approach to go out and like take your retirement and throw it in Bitcoin. <laughs> Maybe if you're a believer, but I think that's probably not the best approach. Oh, I have one more thing that's kind of an interesting. I find an interesting topic is so there's this idea of having a Bitcoin wallet, mm-hmm. and so like you can have a wallet on your phone, or you can have a wallet on your computer or you can have like a wallet on a the most secure approach is having a wallet on a usb stick Mm -hmm. and so when it when you hear the word wallet you think oh i keep the bitcoins like i keep the bitcoins in my phone or like on my computer or in this little usb thing Mm -hmm. because wallet like that's what you associate with it but really all you're doing is keeping the secret key yep like to your to your money so your money is like out in the open on the blockchain everyone can see your money but your your wallet holds the key for you to unlock unlock your money to send it to someone else yeah so interesting so just uh another way to bury your money outside your house slash uh, under the mattress <laughs> dude this so you can you can you can replicate your wallet from the series. I think the series of words is probably like 25 characters. Like there's probably about maybe 15 words. Mm-hmm. And so like in theory, you could throw everything away and keep these 15 words. And then you could have like $100,000 that is held in just these 15 words. And then like <laughs> you could just be walking around and then grab grab a wallet and then load these 15 words on there and then it generates your private key and then you have access to your like hundred thousand dollars or million dollars or whatever it is so from from a perspective of like you can you could like memorize these these words and then like go anywhere in the world with all this money and it's all in your head that is that is. but if you lose but if you lose those 15 words like it's gone it's you can never get it back. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't trust myself that much. I'll be honest. I I kind of <laughs> I kind of like just having it loaded on in my bank with on my phone app, <laughs> on my phone app that I can just you know stick my thumb down on my iPhone yeah. and have access to it. Well, so in theory, you could save you could save these onto your phone app, but it is an interesting like the risk is. It depends on where you see your risk at. Yeah. So. Like for us, the chance of someone going in and taking our money out of the bank is like very small, at least right now in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But 
but then like if like people that are from like greece or venezuela where the governments have like literally gone in and like closed the banks True. and said you can't take the money out like for them it's a very it's a different story for them you know yeah absolutely yeah I think, so that's, i don't know that's a really good point just the emerging markets aspect and you know probably where a lot of the investment in bitcoins and other cryptocurrencies is coming from africa and asia and you know like you said greece other countries that have had some yeah. inflation issues over the years <clears throat> so i don't know that's there's to me the cool thing about it is all these this different technology that's in it and learning about that from an investment perspective like i've read up on them a little bit but i'm not big into like picking the next like investment cryptocurrency to throw my money at yeah i agree i think the the technology is really exciting i mean it's definitely the next wave of how you know money is going to be sent at some point but we're not we're not quite there in terms of it being accessible to everyone and and knowing what that final form is going to look like in terms of how we can use it in our daily lives yeah and it's like Right now, there's all these technical details that you have to know in order to interact with the system. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be able to go mainstream until like the technical, there's like another layer above the technical details and that like it's seamless to people and they don't have to see, like they get the benefits of it, but it's like not hard for them or there's good technical, there's good so- consumer solutions to where it's almost... Uh, like, they don't even know that, that it's being used. They only get the benefits, if you know what I'm saying. Right. I mean, it's like what you were talking about with your, <clears throat> with your like, gold medals or, you know, commander's coins being sent. You know, like, people don't want to see the code behind it. They just want to see right, the shiny right. metal, right? Yeah, because, so that, like, that's what's funny about the crypto kitties is, like, the only thing on the blockchain is your crypto kitty is, like, this... 25 character string of letters and numbers like that's actually all you actually own is this string of letters and numbers but then they have this like website that takes those strings and numbers and then based on whatever those things are it like shows you what your cat looks like so you don't actually own like the drawing of the cat or anything you just own this string of letters and numbers but someone's string of letters and numbers was sold for a hundred thousand dollars I'm so, I'm so glad you brought it back full circle and threw it back to the, what is it called the crypto kitty crypto kitties crypto kitties yeah I'm gonna look for some uh, some merch on that because that that sounds pretty awesome does do you think the merch just has like a your blockchain of numbers on it with like a couple of them blurred out so no one can steal your I don't, I don't I don't know <laughs> no but you, like but they the tr- like anyone else could see your string of numbers uh, but you're the only one that could could uh <laughs> basically allow that string of numbers to ascent- mate with another string of numbers <laughs> to generate a, a baby crypto kitty wow that's amazing i'm gonna have to do a deep dive on you know what these different crypto kitties look like (laughs) (laughs) you're you're blowing my mind a little bit with that one that's uh like i said that's a tamagotchi 3.0 i you'll find somewhere someone gifted a crypto kitty to trump and also to um hillary clinton merry christmas and they were they were making a like i think it, it actually so he can't accept the gift 
So it has to be transferred to like the Digital Library of Congress or something like that. <laughs> oh, that would I wish I could hear that conversation of someone explaining to Donald <laughs> Trump what a crypto kid he was. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would I would love to be there. Oh man. Well, <laughs> I'm worn out, man. I'll be honest. That was a that was a good discussion on on cryptocurrencies. Like I said, I I'm excited for you to do a deep dive on Silicon Valley so we can talk about some uh, oh yeah, some compression. I'll check it out. Compression skills that might uh might we can have a callback to our Bitcoin conversation after that. <laughs> All right. Cool. And with that, uh, I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Remember, Bitcoin is speculation, so uh, <laughs> use protection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>